0: The Chicago Bears dropped their season opener to the Los Angeles Rams 14-34 in a game that, let's just say, it had its surprises. I bring on Tap Sports' Quentin Crisco to break down the game with me on this episode of Bear With Me. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I got good news and bad news for you. On one hand, the season has started. Chicago Bears football is well and truly in swing. And the bad news is, is that they dropped their season opener on national television 14 to 34 to the Los Angeles Rams. So hopefully it gets better for me here but either way i've brought along quentin crisco from on tap sports net also known as butkus stats on twitter one of i think one of the rising stars if you will of bears blogosphere whatever you want to call what we do but quentin i've loved seeing your stuff online you do phenomenal work whether it's niche stats or intense stat work very similar to jonathan wood over at to bears blog and honestly i'm just happy to have you on what would you think of the game how are you doing
1: um didn't love it, but, you know, it was uh, like we've kind of talked about a little here. Is kind of what you expected to some degree. Um, wish you saw a little more from the defense, though. It was just like the floodgates opened on them.
0: No kidding. I mean, one thing that I know I had saved so... I think it's Kevin Fishbane that put out a tweet in the middle of the game basically saying that the Bears have now equaled their 50-plus yard pass touchdowns allowed. Is that normally in 2015, for instance, they allowed two. 50-plus-yard touchdowns. In 2016, they allowed one. 2017, one. 2018, two. 2019, one. 2020, one. And here in 2021, a 17-game season, they've already allowed two. So I think it's safe to say things are uh, trending in the wrong direction defensively. What did you see that stuck out? Let's talk through the defense first because while I know offense has been the hot topic with Justin Fields, who played today, for crying out loud, I think it's fair to say that the 34 defense. Defensive points allowed, and that's honestly being nice because I feel like at past a certain point the Rams just let up the gas, is without a doubt the big concern,
1: right? What really stood out to me was seemed like early in the game the Rams were saying we're not even going to try to run on them because we don't think we can. And then late in the game when they start burning clock, we couldn't stop the run. I mean, the Rams just were... Picking up five, ten yards every time they they carried the ball and made you wonder were they just not running on us because they didn't think they needed to, just didn't think they could. They just couldn't stop the big plays was the other thing I was thinking. They, the The coverage was just a mess and not I'm not an expert on the X's and O's there with the coverages, but there was stuff going wrong all over the place.
0: Yeah, if I was gonna try to talk through it, and I'll do my usual All 22 review on Wednesday if the NFL or like lets out the All 22 footage, because honestly, there's no real point in not trying or in doing it without it. But getting back to brass tacks, for any Bears defense or. Bears fans wanting to know what happened. It looked as if Sean Desai was playing the defense primarily out of a two-high set. So that means you've got Eddie Jackson and Tashawn Gibson starting, at least, in the backfield. And they did a whole lot of nickel, meaning that Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor, and uh, good old Marky Christian were on the field all at the same time. And the problem is, is that I've seen, I mean, a lot of vitriol directed towards number four, Eddie Jackson, who really struggled to tackle. And that first touchdown seems like it was... Pretty much entirely. I don't know whether it was entirely on him, but it certainly seemed as if he was a huge part in it. But the trouble is, Quentin, like you're saying, I mean, Eddie Jackson's still one guy. And even if he pulls off his assignment, you've got Marky Christian, who was basically the guy who beat out Duke Shelley in A Battle of the Backups. You've got Kendall Vildor, a fifth round pick. Jalen Johnson, a former second round pick. So he's probably your highest pedigree DB other than Eddie Jackson. And Tashawn Gibson who are not playing great as a unit, they aren't supporting each other. That Cooper Cup 51-yard to, er, touchdown, by the way, came almost entirely off of Tashawn Gibson completely blowing his coverage assignment because yeah. he's got to be the cap on that defense. So Jackson made mistakes. Christian made some mistakes. Vildor, see, no, he made mistakes mostly on like third and tens. Gibson blew a coverage. I mean, you can't find a Bears de- defensive back that didn't make some pretty horrific mistakes and I don't know if that can be fixed throughout the course of a season you know what I mean
1: yeah I mean so basically the the way I always look at coverages is it comes down to communication and reliability those were two things that it didn't seem like they were on the same page with tonight now maybe that's something that gets better over the course of a season but Gibson's a returning starter with Jackson. You know, it's not like he's a new guy and they don't know each other. They just messed up, Mm -hmm. or Gibson just messed up on that cup play. Um, And I don't have a whole lot of faith that a guy like Christian is going to get a whole lot better at this point. I mean, he's he's been around the league for a few years now, and it's not like this is something new to him. Um, It's scary to think about where this secondary could be in a few weeks. Because I'm not sure how much better they'll get.
0: Yep. Somebody in the comments section on this live show specifically said that this game looked like a preseason game. And I'll tell you what, from the Rams' offensive perspective, it kind of had the feel of it. I mean, what is it? Matthew Stafford finished with an above 150 quarterback rating? I mean, that's the sort of thing that doesn't happen with a good defensive performance. Once you start really getting close to perfection, sure, Stafford played really well, but also he was pitching layups. I mean, like, these guys were wide, wide open. I think the play that really solidified it for me, it was not the 67-yard bomb to Van Jefferson for a touchdown, and it was not the Cooper Cup touchdown, or the second Cooper Cup touchdown. It was at one right there near the end of the game that really planted the dagger, where Stafford rolled out to his right on, what was it, like the 11-yard line? Something like that. And it looked like Ogletree and Marky Christensen and Kendall Vildor were in coverage, and they actually blanketed their assignments. And you could see Stafford waiting patiently, trying to find something open And would you believe it, Christensen Or Kristen lost his man, and Stafford threw a touchdown. And it looked easy. I mean, this looked easy. I think that was the worst part, is this this did not have the feel of Thursday nights showing that had the Bucs defense and the Dallas defense at least playing hard and feeling like the defenses were giving up points, sure, but that the offenses were earning it. I don't know about you. This felt to me like the Rams could have had more if they wanted to, but they just kind of had enough past a certain point. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I think that sounds accurate to me. It didn't, almost to your point, it didn't feel like chess match between the offense and defense where the, the offense was edging out the defense and, you know, continually barely getting there it was, as you said, layups. It was easy. It was just, you know that we're going to be able to do this, so we're just going to go do it.
0: Right, and... I feel like the worst part about all of it was that you've got all these defenders. Like, I could go through a list of them, right? Akeem Hicks looked awesome tonight. Khalil Max getting paid $30 million. Eddie Jackson's getting paid $15 million. Roquan Smith's due for a huge extension. Hicks, specifically, to go back to this whole point, is being paid $12 million. Quinn's being paid $16 million. And in a weakest link conundrum like defense often offers where having one marquee christian on the field or one Kendall vildor in a third and ten man up situation like having one weak link on the field can cost you the down whether it's i mean it's not usually supposed to be 67 yard freebie touchdown passes obviously cooper cups was probably more open i should just keep citing that one but you get the idea it feels as if the Bears are, I mean, to say the least, not getting value out of the money that they're spending on defense. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. Um, so for, for these games, this is something I started during the preseason here. I just a plus or minus next to each player's name every time I notice them making a mistake or doing something that is more than expected of them. For, for being a starter in the NFL is kind of my baseline, and watching the game, it was like Khalil Mack didn't wow me very often. I love Khalil Mack, and I'm I'm a huge supporter of him, but it needs to be so, something more there. Same with the same with um, Eddie Jackson. You know, I mean, th- between the missed tackles and that he got more minuses than he did pluses out there, which is a red flag for any player to be having more negative plays than largely positive plays from even a casual viewer. Um, One thing that stands out to me really is that I had Quinn down for more plus plays than Mac. He had more minus plays as well, but Quinn got into the backfield more consistently based on what I saw, which we first view, haven't seen the All-22, haven't rewatched, but just based on first view of it.
0: Yep. I mean, look, I hate talking about Mac. On Honestly, I really do. Because yeah. Khalil Mack is objectively a great defender, right? I, I think we can agree with that.
1: I don't think there's any question about that. This can all be prefaced with... He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL.
0: Right. He's just being paid more than a lot of quarterbacks at this point. Like $30 million cap hit. The Bears are sinking tons of money into Mac and namely committing a huge percentage of their cap to somebody who did not have the defensive impact that Aaron Donald did. And Donald didn't even have a big impact this game. I mean, like, we'll talk about the offense here in a little bit, but... I I struggle to not want more from number 52. Right. It's not that I feel like he's playing badly. I think that's the most frustrating part. But it does feel like he's not getting through to the quarterback near like I'd like him to. He obviously needs blitz support, just like most edge rushers. But still, he needs it. And he probably can't realistically back up a defensive back unit that it felt to me like the real turning point Again, like, we've got these two long touchdowns, but I still remember when the Bears were really scrapping for it, right? I think this was the third quarter, but I'd have to go back and cha- or and, and look again. I just remember that the Bears stuffed a run, and they knocked down a pass. This was when Jalen Johnson jumped and almost picked off that pass, if you remember. Like, he jumped up to knock the ball down, and the ball, like, landed in his hands and completely surprised him right after that third and 10 bears needed to get off the field because then they could give the ball back to their offense who might be able to go take the lead who knows uh they did not Stafford got what looked like an easy completion over the middle as the Rams were able to isolate Kendall Vildor and make him look like a 2019 fifth round pick like that's I think the biggest problem here is that I'm not frustrated with Vildor I'm not even necessarily frustrated with Christian. At the end of the day, I'm really frustrated with Ryan Pace that these are our starters. You know what I mean? When when Elijah Wilkinson is playing left tackle for you because you already went through your fifth round rookie Larry Borum, you throw your hands up past certain point and go, well, not everybody on or on your depth can be good. But when Marky Christensen and Kendall Vildor are free yardage to the Los Angeles Rams on national television, and those are the guys you're starting like if they get hurt, somebody worse comes in the game at that really stings. Because it means that, to me at least, it means that against Tampa Bay, against Baltimore, against Green Bay, well, then again, who knows, maybe Rodgers mails in the Green Bay games. But you get the idea. The Bears have a meat grinder of a schedule. It shouldn't get better against Cleveland. It shouldn't get better against the Seahawks. We could be in for a long one on defense, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, Really, it it feels like they need need to rely on quarterbacks who hold the ball too long pass rush to be able to get home because stuff's just open. Mm-hmm. It
0: It's painful. And I really, I also feel for Desai a little bit if only because I actually don't know what the solution is in the modern age to scheming bad defensive backs into position. I mean, you'd have to count on some more pass rush. I'd probably just blitz. But once you get to the point where you're playing really blitz-heavy football, you know the risks you're taking. The trouble is is that, like you know, bend-don't-break doesn't work when the only thing that ever happens is you eventually break, you know?
1: Oh, and I feel like you can play a more blitz-heavy – system if you have faith that your offense can be explosive now you can take those risks at that point when you when it's not a 13 play drive to get 50 yards for a touchdown
0: yep that is one thing though that i actually want to talk about the offense specifically and i was hoping we honest okay here's a question before we get into the offense do you feel like there's anything we haven't covered on the defense? Did anybody particularly play well, in your opinion?
1: Um. Well, Ogletree made some nice plays, I thought, at points, but then he just completely wiped it out later in the game with some, <laughs> some huge errors. <laughs> um, so that that's a moot point at, looking at that. Uh, Hicks had some nice plays, I thought. He really took on some guys suit some double teams and was just the same old akeem Hicks that we've loved over the years I thought um let's see Iris Tonga did have a, a nice play down the stretch there that I liked after having getting tossed a little earlier by by an offensive lineman but outside of that it's no one really stood out on the defense that much for me aside from hicks on on a few plays. It was just very pedestrian overall, it felt like.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, just just to throw some gas on that fire, it is, or maybe this is water, but I think it's water now that I think about it, but it's hard for a defense to stand out without playing well, right? It's very rare that one defender makes you go, man, they did really well, and you also got boat raced. So I get it. I felt like Hicks also played pretty well, all things told. He got some pressure on the passer. I saw Kairos Tonga a little more than I anticipated. He came up with a couple of run stops that I wouldn't have expected out of a seventh rounder. I thought Jalen Johnson was decent uh maybe not great but he wasn't near as bad as the other defensive backs by and large and Roquan had some nice blitzes he had some solid run plays he seemed okay in coverage I feel like that'll probably show itself more in the L 22 I just wish he didn't get burned on that 37 yarder but again like we've talked about when a defender gets caught in conflict there is no winning and I have a feeling that Roquan got sucked up on a run like assignment of some kind before getting thrown over the top. So I don't know how much I'd really critique him when, Hey, defenders can't be perfect. You know,
1: yeah. he, he did have a few, um, a few blitzes that did stand out some to me, especially on where he, um, pulled a double team off of Hicks with mm-hmm. a false a false step and then dropped back to take away the, uh, a receiver from Stafford and that's what allowed Hicks to be able to get in and Quinn, Hicks and Quinn were able to collapse the pocket onto onto Stafford. That that play was one that stood out to me. Um as one that we used to see more regularly, you know, one that used to feel pretty pretty common for this defense. Um and on the on the Jalen Johnson front, I thought that he, he did play well. I think that something that they're seeing is Really just the impact of the depth at the other cornerback positions. I I think that Stafford can look there and say, okay, I I don't have to look at Johnson. I I can go over here. I can go over there. And that's a real thing that the Bears are having to deal with right now when they're starting this type of talent.
0: Absolutely. I mean, they're... When a quarterback and a play caller are going through trying to pick out what kind of play they're going to run in a given situation, they often come up with a defensive target. That's not going to blow anybody's mind, but it definitely goes through the process that they're not necessarily saying to themselves, oh, let's do a double post because we like a double post. Oftentimes, they're saying, for instance, to use a double post, let's try to split a single high safety, and if not, we'll go here to attack this defensive back. I wonder, and again, part of why I want to see the All-22, whether Jalen Johnson played well or the other defensive backs just played worse. I mean, Johnson had his fair share of plays, don't get me wrong, but if I was Stafford, why bother? looking at Robert Woods when Van Jefferson's going to eat Kendall Vildor's lunch? Why bother looking at, again, Jalen Johnson when Cooper Cup is matched up on Marky Christian? And if not, if like if he falls off, you're going to get passed to a safety and he ends up wide open. I mean, it was just so easy for Stafford that I don't know whether Jalen Johnson truly locked his man down or the other guys were just, you know, preseason tier. But those are harsh words. I know those are not what anybody wants to hear, but oh my word, this is not the kind of defensive performance that leaves you thinking anything positive.
1: Another thing that dawns on me with Marquis Christian is I believe he was with the Rams for a little bit. I'm, I'm either he was or I'm getting him mixed up with Xavier Crawford. But so, if any coaching staff knows what he can do against their receivers, it's probably the Rams, you know? I mean, if he was going up against Cooper Cup in practice, they know how that matchup looks. Um, what, one other defensive player that I do want to uh, mention, at least a few plays that I saw, was Eddie Jackson. He, he he missed some tackles, absolutely, but he also made a few plays in the run game that stood out to me, especially one in the first half. He was He was up on the line of scrimmage, he he fought off a block and went in and made a run stuff and it was like whoa that's that's eddie jackson (laughs) (laughs) um so i mean he had his faults in this game but that that was one that did stand out to me of him trying to get his uh his nose a little dirty there i just wish he might have had the same mentality on the uh 67 yard touchdown to just jump on the guy
0: (laughs) right i mean to to Back up Eddie Jackson a little bit. And again, I haven't seen the All 22, and we've both admitted he played poorly. But when you're a safety, you can't be two defenders at once. You can only be one, right? to use the 51 yard cooper cup touchdown as a as an example the rams ran what kind of imitated a smash concept to that side of the field so they basically had somebody run a flag route or at whatever you call the one where it's a, it's not a post cuz that goes towards the middle but it goes towards the sidelines i think it's called the flag but so they ran that that Drew Eddie jackson over the top There, So Gibson was supposed to pick up Cooper cup when he came into the middle of the field, because Jackson was already shading over to stop an 18 to 22 yard smash route. And that got pinned on Jackson because when Kristen stopped running, Jackson was the guy in the picture. And you know how it goes when you see the guy chasing the play, it's probably his fault, or at least that's oftentimes what we can think.
1: The trouble here is that. Yeah. Good route concept by McVay there, because if you look at the guy, um, the mid right side that Gibson had his eyes on clearly. He froze Gibson right there mm-hmm. because he could have gone deep right there too. And yep. like you said, he was in conflict and
0: they
1: mm-hmm. don't usually win when you're in conflict
0: yep. there. The trouble is, is that, like you're saying and kind of getting at, a good play call doesn't make Bears fans feel better about spending $15 million on a safety that isn't making tackles. So I totally get how Eddie Jackson has quickly become a lightning rod of criticism and so on and so forth. He he earned plenty of it, especially being quoted as saying, anybody can tackle, anybody can tackle. You got to make a play on the ball, and he didn't either. But it'll be interesting I guess we'll just say interesting's a word to see how decide navigates this, uh, this DB debacle.
1: So even on that, uh, what Jackson said there, and this just might be me being a homer optimist, but when I first saw that, I thought he was saying, anyone can make the tackle, only some people can make the tackle and punch the ball out. Like he was trying to teach the guy something. <laughs> And, I like, and then I saw the backlash. I was like, oh, I guess I misread that. <laughs> but that was my first thought seeing it.
0: It's still out of context, like you're getting at. I mean, what Jackson's trying to say is make a play on the ball, as in when you see the route coming, get there before the ball does. So if they throw it, it's a pick. And if they don't, you covered your assignment. Like, it's not intended to be, I don't like right. tackling, but it still comes across badly yeah. when you don't read into the still context. A little
1: bit of truth and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: And I mean, Jackson did not look motivated to make tackles tonight, but we digress. We've got plenty of offense to talk about, which, Bears fans, I'm just going to let you in on it right now. I ended up with a lot more positivity towards the offense than I came into the game anticipating, but let's get into that on the flip. Q, I'll catch you on the other side. All right. Hey, it's me, Robert Schmitz, and as the Bears season gets started, I wanted to tell you about a brand new way to play daily fantasy called Thrive that we've partnered with. Imagine a daily fantasy game centered entirely around player props rather than standard fantasy keepers and sleepers. Instead of having to hunt for that third-string receiver you just know is going to score three touchdowns this week, Thrive gives you 20 player props to choose from and asks you a simple question. Is Allen Robinson going to haul in over 65 yards this week or under? Choose your 10 props, rack up the most points, and win a share of the prize pool. That's your chance to win a piece of $100,000 for NFL Week 1 in their featured $20 entry contest with 20 dollars to first place. And the best part? When you sign up today and use promo code SCHMITZ, that's S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, Thrive will match your first deposit up to $100 to double your money. So don't sleep on this. Download Thrive Fantasy today on the App Store or Google Play Store or visit www.thrivefantasy.com and sign up today. Happy propping and Go Bears! And we are back with bear with me post game talking about bears versus the Rams and a final score. We do not need to talk about. Let's talk about the offense where Justin field scored his first NFL touchdown in his first NFL game. And the bears ended up marching out about 14 points and some, Uh, Let's just talk about it, because whether it's decent looking, frustrating, better than you expected, I feel like a lot of adjectives could apply to this. And past a certain point, it almost seems as if beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Because the Bears just dinked and dunked their way through six to eight offensive drives. I don't think they ever went three and out, except for maybe at the end, where I know I stopped paying attention. But it felt... Quinton to me anyways like the play calling wasn't ridiculous the Bears got movement on the ground which was a little shocking given the state of their offensive line David Montgomery looked like the clear-cut best player on the Bears offense and I mean that in a very positive way huge game from him I don't know for as bad as the defense was the offense which is obviously the focal point when you've got a potential franchise quarterback actually didn't look that bad what did you think
1: yeah, I mean they now granted we need to frame this in the right perspective of Bears fans who have watched some pretty atrocious offense over the last few years. Right. But they moved the ball more than they have in recent memory. Um whether they actually converted that movement into points was a whole nother question. But they were able to move the ball continuously and get first downs which was something more than we've seen in a while Um, that, that ground game man i mean david montgomery looked good mhm looked very good um better than he's looked in a bears jersey ever so he's he's looking for a payday next year <laughs> i guess cuz he's he put in a lot of work this offseason it's very obvious mm-hmm. um really offensive line was a bit better than i expected if i'm being completely honest um and some of that might come down to Rams lost a lot of depth on their d line in the off season. i'm not sure if everyone realized how much between brockers um they lost another starter on the d line and they lost one of their edge rushers so we, we we're talking about leonard floyd aaron donald and a bunch of new guys for the most part on that defensive line uh, which is still enough to wreck a game. They were able to manage it well enough that you say they didn't they didn't wreck this game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean to say the least. I would have to go back through and actually check the stats to know what I'm talking about here. Maybe you know them off the top of your head and you're godsend like that, but you don't have to. I can't remember the last time that the Bears got 100 yards on the ground while the game was still in play. I mean, last year the Bears offensive ground game was just putrid, as it was in 2019. But this this game, it felt as if the Bears running the ball was a focal point of the offense. They did it really well, too. I mean, just to talk scheme, it felt as if the Bears did a great job of understanding that if you don't have great offensive linemen, all you can do is constantly shuffle where the blocker is coming from to confuse defensive linemen and make it to where they don't know who is and isn't engaging them on every single play. A perfect example of this is that the there's a one David Montgomery run I remember in particular where he gained about 12 yards, I think this was later in the second quarter as the Bears led that touchdown drive, where you saw them peel Kolkmet behind Jason Peters to bump Aaron Donald as white. Hair and Peters stepped left to create a hole between Kmet and Whitehair, and it's not as if Kmet got a huge piece of Donald, but he slowed him enough to give Montgomery a space while also confusing Donald, who's not expecting the tight end to come get him. Credit to the Bears, whether it's Castillo, Nagy, or whoever, but they attacked this Rams defensive line that I think is a little more talented than their offensive line pretty well, all the way up until they obviously lost both left tackles and were behind two touchdowns where things really started to fall apart. I mean, what did you see? Does that seem like a decent read to you of the run game?
1: Yeah. Um, What really stood out to me with the run game was Felt like, and s- uh, some guys out there like Kubiak and Shanahan are absolute masters at this. But it felt like they they matched the run blo- run blocking schemes with the pass blocking schemes, which has always been a complaint from me about Nagy. I didn't think that they tried to do that very much or enough, and did a good job of it, whatever it might have been. Um, but tonight, it seemed like there were there were a few plays where Montgomery got five plus yards. And I'm watching, and I'm going, I didn't even touch guys that much, (laughs) which means that the scheme was much better because they were pulling guys out of position because for the last two years they've been saying, oh, we know when these guys move like this, it's going over here. This is what's happening. So they were able to move the defenders without the need of pure power to do it, which was nice to see. It was interesting to see that they were able to evolve it like that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm and one thing that I will say is that it felt as if Nagy really iterated on a lot of things that didn't work in 2020 like again we're talking about one football game so we can only take so much away from this but one thing that I noticed was that the Bears last year did a whole lot of what was supposedly popular assuming you have talent on your offensive line namely they ran a lot of duo which is what it sounds like for any of you who don't know football terms it's basically just all of your offensive linemen double team the guy in front of them and ideal you get some push on the defensive tackles and you go from there it's supposed to work because it's just a straight double team it's not your standard inside or outside zone where you start with a double team and then you climb to a second assignment it is a double team they namely tried this against the Colts and the Rams and if you guys remember they got nothing out of it like they got nothing out of that this game, they went to duo rarely, they basically just tried to trot out, like I said, a ton of different blocking assignments they varied things really well, they used toss crack, they tried to reverse, they went with duo, they went with more of a pin and pull, they went with inside zone outside zone, they kind of did it all and maybe more importantly the offensive line had one false start, which was technically Cole Kmet, if you want to count him as the offensive line, but they didn't take any penalties that I can remember outside of that, and they looked together which was not something you could say about the 2020 offensive line yeah we're talking baby steps we're talking moral victories and i get that but this did feel like it has a real potential to be a stronger and much more creative running attack than we saw at last year or the year before which is a very low bar but it's still one to kind of get excited about clearing
1: right yeah um I mean, it's, it's the basic stuff. I mean, at the high school level, you talk about how the offensive line is one unit and it grows from there, but it's something that we haven't really had the last few years of a single unit out there playing as one. And it might not have been effective in everything they tried tonight, but they played as one, if that makes any sense. Oh, I mean, it does. They, they, showed, they showed something at least, in the schematic aspect of it, of being able to execute, mm-hmm. they're trying to do, even if it wasn't always pretty. Absolutely. And speaking of
0: executing, even if it wasn't always pretty, you know we have to talk about the pass game, right? Yeah. So, I'll try to get out ahead of one thing that I did want to talk about. The Bears' offensive line was kind of assisted by the fact that the bear er, that the Rams run a very modern defense, and what this means is that they were going up against lighter box counts than are that might be normal on other teams. Like I think the Rams were playing mostly out of a two-high quarters look. That was the impression I got, anyways, because there were like no DBs in the picture for the majority of the game, as they seemed to be deliberately taking away vertical shots and trusting their defensive line to just sort of dominate the Bears and go from there which again even if it's a lighter box count you've still got to give credit where it's due to the fact that they got the run game moving but I say all this Q because I know nobody's excited to watch anybody dink and dunk Nobody's excited to watch Andy Dalton attempt a longest pass of, I think it was, 11 yards. Like, let that sink in, the that the longest throw we attempted- that was
1: the one was of the Right,
0: <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that one was 13 yards. So, hooray, the longest attempted was 13, yeah. completed 11. But technically, against the Rams' quarter front, that's not a bad plan. Like, the question becomes, is this just the naggy offense, or did, was this a one-week plan that was actually decently put together? We don't know, but we do know that the pass game looked efficient whenever they stayed out of sack trouble, and they they definitely didn't catch a lot of breaks. Like, I, I always go back to that early on clear defensive pass interference that got called, and don't get me wrong, the referees break the way that they do. You're not always going to get every call. Jalen Johnson was off sides on one of the only Bears stops of the game, and they, they just, just let go. that roll so you know you give and you get but the Bears offense in general seemed like it was able to consistently pick up first downs which is more than we used to be able to say about at the very least the Nick Foles offense right and there the bears were at halftime still in the game there the bears were in the third quarter still in the game and it really felt like the wheels fell off when it became absolutely clear that i think it was 14 to 27 at the time at fourth and 15 that matt Nagy had no faith in his defense (laughs) and and then all of a sudden as a fan it was like well i don't believe in dalton to leave this kind of comeback and I don't get the impression Nagy did either, but I don't know. I'm not trying to stand for the guy. It seemed as if the play calling had its ups and downs. The Bears tried a lot of things. That Justin Fields, like, reverse did not work, The uh, as well as, like, bringing in the shuffle pass and so on and so forth. But a lot of the things that they did did work, and I'm curious to see what carries over to Cincy and what doesn't, because if it still just looks like Dink and Dunk and that's the offense, this is a very very limited offense but if it was a one-week plan maybe we see a couple more intermediate and deep throws next week i can't tell yet because the rams are taking it all away
1: i have to think that it was more of victim of the circumstance if they're playing quarters all game that there are probably some deep shots built in that they just just weren't there and that with with all the speed they have on this roster They were able to build in some underneath stuff, uh, especially on those curl routes to take advantage of it. But if that's all you're running all year, speed's pointless because you're not going to keep that cushion that the speed gives you if you're not using it. Right. Yeah. And what has me thinking, by the way, that it's
0: quarters, just for anybody who wants to think through the game out there, is Dalton kept throwing to the flat, and he kept throwing between the hashes... Like, between the hashes and the numbers on little curl routes, and I kept finding myself thinking, if they were playing cover three, or especially if they were playing cover one, or things that would defend the flats, we would have seen a lot more of what we saw with Foles last year, with DBs breaking back and batting down the curl routes that were consistently, like, very, very open, you know? Like... That sort of dink and dunk plan, if that is your only plan against those kinds of looks, should be pretty easy to stop, you know? Instead, it seemed as if the Rams were content to let the Bears basically... Fire or like just gain yards and clip down the field up until around the 40 yard line where admittedly the Rams consistently made a play they'd sack Dalton, they'd force an incompletion that the Bears didn't expect they'd create a loss of yardage, etc etc, and then the Bears would end up in a fourth down situation and as we saw Dalton was over I'm not about to say that this game inspired confidence in Andy Dalton, if anything I'd say he kind of seemed like he was who we thought he was Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I think that something that does stand out to me that you mentioned is stalling at about the 40. That's something that has been an issue for them for 2019 and 2020 and to start out 2021, too. They can get into that opponent territory. It almost seems like so often they're playing for the sticks, not for anything else. And that's where that stalls up is when you're just trying to get the next first down, the next first down. And it, I mean, maybe that's quarterback not taking the shot downfield. Maybe that's the defense saying, we're not going to let you take a shot because we know you can't do this. Um, it's been a constant issue with this Nagy offense of stalling in that area of the field. Absolutely. And
0: it's got to get better. I mean, this is not the kind of thing that can just persist going forward, but I know – If I sound overly positive, it's because I came into this game with no expectations, knowing that last year, with the Nick Foles-led Bears offense, not only did we not run the ball, but we couldn't pass the ball either. And so when we came into this game and seemed like we were a functional football team that was moving the ball along, like, sure, we had our defensive issues, but we've got Justin Fields in the pipeline. We need to see the offensive scheme look decent, or else the Bears are truly sunk. You know what I mean? So. With that, I felt like this this was a nice turn of events from Nagy, but it's obviously still got to ultimately get better than 14 points. Like, we do yeah. not need to break out the maracas and throw a fiesta over a 14-point offensive performance, good defense or not. The buck stops somewhere. It's just a matter of, okay, that was a ton better than the preseason, suffice to say. Can you do better then your starting quarterback throwing an end zone interception to open the game up and a little bit more of what got us into the end zone twice.
1: Um, I think the, the natural progression of the offense, the, f- the first thing is, can you get yards? And that's something that they did tonight. Next progression is, can you get a first down when you need it? That's something that they didn't do tonight. And I think the third progression is, can you turn those first downs into points? Um, and that's also something that they couldn't do. Um, I think looking back to 2018, they could do the third, but I'm not sure that they could do the first two. And that's where it came back on them in 19 and 20. And that's where they're still kind of st- – Or I guess tonight was kind of a progression in that you, you could get yards. You couldn't do the rest. Right. Um, when they're not set up with the easy points – kind of in the same spot they have been one thing that was nice to see at halftime was a close to one to one pass to run ratio for the first time in a long time at least in games that you know weren't done in the second quarter because they were playing the jaguars trying to get trevor lawrence um that's something we'll we'll see if it carries over i mean going up against the bengals next week i would think it would because i don't think they're that stout of a run defense, the Browns will be more of a question on whether they go back pass happy or not. But which I'm sure they kind of ha- will have to if it goes anything like tonight did. But oh my gosh,
0: the Browns, the Browns game is going to be a stomach game. Like I think we yeah. can already feel it, right? That if you don't have the stomach for it, don't watch. Like that that should be a beating. That might be the toughest beating that they'll take this season. Yeah. But that's not what this is about this isn't a preview show for two or three weeks from now Bye. Yeah. but i i don't know i really did come in cue I, I watched so many games last year like the saints game right for the playoff game saints game where the bears scored three points they got absolutely nothing and it was just a matter of time before the offense just puttered and stalled out this week it felt as if the bears offense actually had an identity I mean, I know that that's something that's been thrown around, but the Bears were a surprisingly creative run team led by a running back that was playing with his eyes on fire. I mean, David Montgomery blasting through Aaron Donald so that he could blast through three defensive backs and score a touchdown was, like, legendary Chicago stuff.
1: You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he looked... I can't even say how good like he looks so good in the words it nope. was extremely impressive there were were a handful of times where the, ho- the hole was not there and he made it
0: yep he made I, that
1: hole which I, was I, great
0: there's nothing I love like, hearing more than hearing what was it uh, it was uh oh gosh it, it was it was it Chris Collinsworth might have been I can't remember who called the game Unfortunately, but I think or Dave Montgomery got stuffed for like a two yard loss and you could hear him go and he's not going any whoa shoot because then Montgomery squirmed out of it and picked up like four yards off of just sort of lurching forward. I mean, he was outstanding. I'm, I wouldn't normally be a guy who's huge on paying running backs because I think if you look at what happened with Ezekiel Elliott and so on and so forth, that you can often get into trouble. But, oh, my gosh, if Montgomery can sustain this, that's going to be a very hard deal to turn away, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I've always said since since his draft class, he, he reminded me a little bit of Matt Forte. And tonight he reminded me a lot of Matt Forte in the aspect of this guy just – he does a lot of good, mm-hmm. a lot of good things out there. He might not always stand out in every single way or in any elite specific way, but he does the right things the right way. And he's just a little more power than Forte. <laughs> <laughs>
0: to say the least.
1: He, he doesn't really have a major hole in his game, especially it, it looks like that speed training he was doing worked because he he looks like he filled that gap some.
0: Absolutely. I think the scariest part for me about watching Montgomery play really well, if I could be honest, was that I sat there thinking that what, was, what had mainly made me comfortable with Justin Fields not being the starter was that I looked at a bad offensive line that shouldn't have been able to protect him and definitely shouldn't have been able to generate ground game and thought to myself, well, I don't want Fields to come into the offense and feel like he's got to be a hero. So maybe it's okay for him to get time on the bench until the offensive line figures it out. But I think the scariest part today, Quinton, was that Dalton looked like the problem. Like, the rest of the offense looked better than Dalton, which I didn't anticipate. I didn't think that the Bears' offensive line would play pretty decently overall, you know? Like, again, you have to adjust your expectations. Were they the Colts? They were not. But they didn't look like the Vikings today, who got absolutely annihilated. They didn't look like the Titans, right? They looked like they were supporting a quarterback decently enough. And they certainly supported a running back who went bananas. So what's the holdup? And I mean, hey, Fields even got time. Like, talk through all of it. How did this make you feel about the obvious Fields watch that was so, so pertinent to the Bears conversation? It was all it felt like the announcers wanted to talk about any time the Bears were on offense.
1: So you, you look at the Bears offense and your defensive coordinator. Where do you look at this offense and say, that guy's a problem? Coming into tonight it was really just one guy, maybe two. I mean, Mooney's a problem in certain areas, but he's not a constant problem. It was really just Allen Robinson. But after tonight, you look at it and you say, man, David Montgomery might be a problem. So now you have a multiplier of that, and if you can add one more, problem for these D coordinators in there, it's like offense can be pretty damn good once you have three things that you have to worry about. If if you start saying, we got a that guy, Justin Fields over there, that dude, he can run faster than everyone on our defense. That's a problem. He has the ball in his hands every single play. That multiplies what Robinson, what Montgomery can do for an offense because it takes one more defender away from them. away from it. They're not a target as much anymore, and that's something that can really, really push this offense up to league average. You know? <laughs> I, I had to temper myself there at the end.
0: It, it's where it can make us really, really – passable like i know the feeling (laughs) but yeah i mean i think the weirdest thing about uh or yeah i think the weirdest thing about the way that the bears handled justin fields tonight was that they gave him a a lot more reps than i was anticipating like it wasn't just a fields package he had a pass he had a shovel pass that i think he misread but that's neither here nor there he had a touchdown run he was the only quarterback to score it, like, on the Bears, which is hilarious That's in and of true. itself. He handed the ball off on multiple different, like, zone read run kinds of plays. He did a whole lot of things that make me wonder whether the Bears were trying to get him into the game sooner than we think. Because I mean, it's just hard to read because this was not the Patrick Mahomes plan, to say the absolute minimum. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it, it felt as if it was a not a bad bridge because I can't tell if Fields just got blitzed or whether he did something wrong with protection to create the pressure that he felt on that red zone nine yard completion, but he also threw the ball accurately enough for what little he did, obviously ran well on his touchdown pass. He seems to be the quarterback that offers the Bears a little bit more, and I know Andy Dalton kind of vindicated himself during the second and third quarter consistently getting the ball to where it needed to be and leading to touchdown drives, but I, I I couldn't help but feel like the doomsday clock ticked a little bit closer to midnight, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, with regards to Dalton on that, I think the, the, the true test of a lot of quarterbacks is what you can do in a neutral situation. Not what you can do once the other team is up by two scores, not once you can do once your team's already up by two scores, but what are you doing to win the game when It's completely even when you're sitting there saying this is anyone's game. Make it yours. And I'm not sure that Dalton's going to be that guy at any point in the future for any team, really, that he's going to be the difference maker, pushing them ahead. Start the game.
0: Yeah, and it's frustrating because, you know, you look around the league and you got to remember that we have to temper our expectations, right? If you look at what happened in Jacksonville, number one pick Trevor Lawrence had his moments where he looked really good. He threw a couple of snazzy-looking touchdown passes, made some great throws. He and his Jacksonville Jaguars also got thrown in the dumpster by what was supposed to be the worst team in the league, so... I guess you take the good with the bad, and then you go from there to the Jets game, where they played a Sam Darnold-led Panthers team that only put up 19 points. Still, Zach Wilson only put up 14, and they lost. Like, I don't feel like, I do feel like that there's this element in Chicago right now of, if we put in fields, things will get really good, and we'll start winning a ton, maybe but I do feel like there are bumps in the road that obviously all rookies go through. Mac Jones had 16 points today as well, so it's not as if any of these rookies played a particularly like great football on the grand scale of things, but they did all get experience. And hey, I guess Fields can hang his hat on having more reps than Trey Lance, so that's not so bad. But at the same time... I do just wonder whether Matt Nagy is eventually going to take a look at this defense and say the offense needs a little bit more juice than what Dalton can offer if we're going to win any games or whether the defensive backfield can figure something out, whether they start playing quarters and go from there. Though they tried to play quarter, quarter, half, and they got burned for a touchdown. So I really don't know what the defense is going to do. Uh,
1: um, I, the one thing on offense aside from Montgomery that really stood out to me and really just I, I'm not going to shake until I see more of it is Fields' touchdown run. I thought he was dead to rights. Two guys right in front of him was about to get lit up. He just closed that gap so fast. That just changes changes your offense It changes what you're doing out there and it was it, it makes his speed feel more real and what he can offer
0: oh yeah I mean, not to be that guy who's comparing quarterbacks directly, but you remember Andy Dalton when he toted the rock about eight yards forward to set up the third and one that became Montgomery's touchdown run? We were all thinking it. Justin Fields scores that exact same play, you know? He's just that little bit quicker and will be able to plow his way through. Thanks so much, Russ Weeks, for subscribing, by the way. It'll be interesting to see what happens going from here. Like, because at the end of the day, the Rams game is what the Rams game was, and it's over now, and we can move on, thank goodness, because we've worried (laughs) enough about this one since we got the schedule in March or April or whatever it was. Here comes the Cincinnati team that really struggled to put away the Minnesota Vikings. Like I thought Cincinnati had it there in the middle and then they gave it up and then they barely took overtime down to the absolute wire where uh, Minnesota threw the game away for lack of uh, any other way to put it. So I don't know whether this Cincy team is good. Certainly, I think they've got better wide receivers than our corners can handle, but there's an element of who doesn't to that. So I feel like it's a decent test for whatever Bears team we want to put out there to try to face him. And I do have a feeling that Matt Nagy has a mental picture of how he wants this Dalton led team to look. And I think... The bright side, you could say, is that the offense clearly had an identity. It had a plan. It looked better than it did with Mitch and Foles, in my opinion, against a good Rams team. The trouble is, is that the Bears got so spaced on defense, you have to wonder whether Nagy thinks that's good enough right now, and if they get really desperate, do you think Fields comes in?
1: I wouldn't say for another few weeks. I mean, I could see him getting more and more snaps each week, especially red zone spots or short third and short type situations, but I think Nagy is going to try to try to keep him on the bench until at least after the Browns game. Um, for the most part, after that, I think it's, it's open season on him getting out there because we're talking about a veteran team full guys who want to compete and they might, they might not compete this year, but it's going to help them get to get closer next year. Um, and some of them probably do believe that they'll compete this year. You know, these guys are competitors. They're they're not out there to, to not win, you know, <laughs> essentially when it comes down to it. So uh, I think they're going to have a hard time keeping them on the bench much longer than a few weeks.
0: Yeah, to me, I feel like, not to be blustery, I've started to think that it all comes down to the Cincinnati game, right? I think that's one that if I had to try to crawl inside the unusual mind that is Matt Nagy, he has booked as a win, that they have to win that game. And if they don't win that game, I would dare say they're behind schedule. So if they're behind schedule, that means Dalton is losing what he should have been winning. And that's obviously disappointment that might get Fields accelerated. I hope that makes any sense. But yeah, that to me is where I look and see – Fields could get in as early as week four or as late as after the bye, all depending on whether or not Dalton wins that specific Cincinnati game, because that's going to give him a lot longer leash than if he gets annihilated by the Browns, kind of like he did tonight against the Rams, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think one thing I keep thinking with Nagy is, I mean, we're talking about a coach who won't even discuss injuries in his press conference I'm not sure I buy even what he's telling insiders on some of this stuff I think that he is playing the long con on some of this and hoping it helps him in one game and that other team not having the game plan for fields if it does at all for half a game even I, th- I think that he that's that's the NFL there's only 17 of these games. Every one of them counts a whole lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And the bright side, like we know, is that the Bears are still in first place in their division, which is hilarious, but it's true. And they ended up scoring more than the Packers. So they're third place in terms of scoring with the Lions ahead of everybody, if memory serves. But all that to say that the Bears walked into a game that we kind of knew they were going to lose and they lost and the defense looked a little worse than we expected. I would dare say the offense looked a little better, that they continuously crossed into the opponent's side of the field, which, again, tiny, low, high school hurdle to pass over, but not one the Bears were able to do so consistently. So from here, it feels to me like the door is open for the Bears to tell their story, whatever it is, you know? That, again... It's not something that you should wave the banner and be like, the Bears actually won. Not really. They got they got beat. And there were a lot of things to worry about when it comes to their defense specifically. But their offense going forward, I dare say, looked even better than the 2018 offense in terms of just a play-to-play identity. It's just a matter of whether they can iterate on that against a Bengals team that's probably going to do a better job of guarding everything underneath 10 yards or technically 11 yards, right?
1: Right. Um, And one thing that I do think for that Bengals game, I would not be shocked if this defense looks a whole lot better. Um, You think about where their strengths are and where the Bengals' offensive weaknesses are, it's a much better matchup for them as far as taking advantage of those weaknesses. Um, Does the Rams have a a solid O-line? No. um, They protect the quarterback pretty well, and they match up. Those run fits with their pass fits pretty well. Uh, McVay has, is a strong offensive coach. I'm not nearly as high on Zach Taylor as I am Sean McVay. Um, I'm not nearly as high on the Bengals O-line as I am the Rams O-line. And I think that the Bears D-line could do a lot more in that game just based on the talent they're going against. I see that. How talented they are.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a podcast for another day. But if we were going to close up, what would you say your final thoughts are on the Rams game?
1: Um, I have two. And the first is pretty petty. Jimmy Graham, 15 snaps. That's a lot of money for 15 snaps. That they extended
0: um, it to next year. They they extended it to next year so that he could catch a nine-yard completion in the red zone because he's just a red zone
1: warrior. I mean – don't get me wrong. I love touchdowns, but I'm just not sure that his price tag makes a lot of sense for 15 snaps a game. Um And then my other main thought is just summarize uh, to summarize the game. Bears gave up big plays and they couldn't create big plays. That's yep. The game in a nutshell to me.
0: I'll give my final thoughts that. I'm still pleasantly surprised with the Bears' development plan for Justin Fields because I really don't know how much it would have helped him if, depending on how much playbook he's got control of. But past a yeah. certain point, I'm offering benefit of the doubt to a coaching staff that I don't know has earned it. So feel free to just throw that thought out if you don't want to. One other thought that I'll throw out there is Allen Robinson had, if memory serves, 35 yards on 11 targets, and that's just not going to do it for a guy that the Bears, or the Bears need to be their wide receiver one. I'm glad that Mooney and Goodwin and Bird had a place in this offense and made a difference, a positive difference at that. But we need more out of Allen Robinson. And I know that I'm putting a lot on him when I say this, but for instance, that fourth and four where the ball hit the wrong shoulder with a guy draped all over him, I would love to see him catch that ball because he's made tougher plays and that's why you throw it to your wide receiver one. Again, I'm not being fair to him, but he's done so many unfair things throughout his career that he's made me used to it. So I would love to see him become that guy in case Montgomery isn't here and there or the situation doesn't call for it but as far as another final thought goes i feel like we covered it all you know alan robinson getting a little more involved next week like you said create more big plays try to limit the opponents feels like that's the game in a nutshell right
1: Uh, yeah it's it's a simple game right (laughs) super (laughs) simple
0: either way quentin thanks so much for jumping on this post game show couldn't have done it without you Feel free, please let the viewers and listeners know where they can find your work online.
1: Yeah, just follow on Twitter at Stats um, and on Tap Sportsnet. That's where I write the uh, site I write for, and also I'm now doing a podcast with my, my good friend Jaden May. Um, that is titled Facts versus Stats NFL Bets. I take a very analytical numbers-based view on the bets. Um, he is a former Division II offensive lineman who goes by his gut. So it's uh, it's some entertaining content.
0: I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for jumping on, man. Seriously, great having you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. That's going to do it for this week's show, folks.
0: Feel free to find me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz, on YouTube at Run Pass Opinion, obviously on Windy City Gridiron, talking, breaking down, and going through different Bears topics all throughout the rest of this Bears season. Until next time, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.